Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, April 26th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Anger mounting over another police shooting, this one in North Carolina, where the family of Andrew Brown Jr. is waiting for a look at police body cam video of his death at the hands of officers last week. The Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine now back online. That shot carrying a warning about the isolated risk of blood clots in some recipients. And amidst the rise in the number of those trying to cross into the U.S., Vice President Kamala Harris discussing major immigration initiatives with the president of Guatemala. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the fatal police shooting of Andrew Brown Jr. in North Carolina. Several deputies are now on leave as the family and community demands answers over what happened. It's been several days of public outcry and protest demanding the body camera video of Andrew Brown's deadly shooting be released. It's almost like this reoccurring cycle. Like I said, police officers aren't being held accountable. The family is now scheduled to view the video privately for the first time. It's part of the healing process to know what happened to that loved one who was uh, tragically uh, gunned down in the manner in which Mr. Brown was gunned down. So it's a start to the healing process, but I think it's saying a bit much to say that that in and of itself is going to bring closure. Wayne Kendall, one of the lawyers for the family, says Brown's older children, his siblings, aunts, uncles and cousins are all expected to be present for that viewing. The 42-year-old was shot and killed Wednesday as sheriff's deputies were serving a warrant on felony drug charges in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Kendall says Brown was unarmed as he was driving away from the scene. Also, no drugs were found. It's inexplicable why when a black person, especially a black man, runs from the police, not posing any threat of violence to them, that they still see fit to shoot them in the back. If any of my deputies broke any laws or violated any policies that come out through this investigation, they will be held accountable. The family's fight isn't over. Lawyers are continuing their push to get the footage released to the public. Kendall says since the recording is not considered public record under North Carolina law, it'll be up to law enforcement to make it public. There may never ever be an opportunity for the public to see these recordings. So far, officials have released few details, but seven sheriff's deputies have been placed on paid administrative leave during the investigation. We just want the truth out. We just want the sheriff to let us know what's going on and the truth. That's all we want. We want justice. Under North Carolina law, a judge must generally sign off on the release of law enforcement body camera footage. But now the mayor of Elizabeth City, Betty Parker, saying she wants to see a major change in how police body camera footage is processed and released. Attorneys for the Brown family claim police is now redacting body cam footage. Meanwhile, Democratic Missouri Representative Cori Bush says she is not prepared to compromise on ending qualified immunity for police officers as part of negotiations on police reform. As just mentioned, the House passed the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act last month, but it faces an uncertain future in the narrowly divided Senate. 
with Democrats pushing to change federal law to ensure that officers can be charged for, quote, reckless, not just, quote, willful misconduct. Johnson & Johnson's vaccine now back in circulation. The CDC and FDA deeming it safe, but adding a warning label for women. Meanwhile, a new survey showing the pause might have affected people's willingness to take that vaccine. Lorraine Cáceres has the latest. After an 11-day pause, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine now back on the market. CDC, in partnership with FDA, is recommending that administration of the Johnson & Johnson or Janssen vaccine resume. After an investigation, the CDC review panel concluding Friday that the risk of blood clots is low and the benefits much outweigh the risks. The vaccine is now linked to 15 cases of a rare blood clotting condition, all in women, and the vaccine label has been updated to indicate women under the age of 50 should be aware of the risk. All these 15 cases were in females and 13 of the 15 were in the 18 to 49 year old age group, the remaining 250 plus. And you can see the doses administered there in the uh, next column. And that translates into a reporting rate of seven TTS cases per million doses administered of the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine for women aged 18 to 49 years old. For women 50 plus, this translates to 0.9 TTS cases per million doses administered. The U.S. has more than 9 million J&J doses ready to go, but a new survey is showing the pause might have affected people's interest in getting it. A new ABC News Washington Post poll showing 46% thinks it's very or somewhat safe, and 73% of those not yet vaccinated said they were unwilling to accept a J&J shot. The poll also showing hesitancy overall remains high. Nearly one in four Americans, 24%, are dis inclined to get any of the coronavirus vaccines, down from 32% three months ago. 16% right now rule it out entirely. Public health officials pushing their so message that vaccination is the only way they'll be office. able to beat the pandemic. I think we're increasingly going to see a world where people who've been vaccinated are going to enjoy a lot of freedoms. Uh, they're going to feel like they can take a, on a lot of activities low risk. They can reunite with families. And the cases are going to continue to be there for people who haven't been vaccinated yet. In Mississippi, there are currently 74,000 appointments unbooked. Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee also falling behind. In New York City, six million people have been vaccinated, and the mayor is now doing away with appointments to motivate more people. All city-run sites will be open for walk-ins as of today for all sites for all age levels. So you can just walk up, and get vaccinated. And the CDC is reporting that about 8% of people that have gotten their first shot have not been back to get their second dose of COVID-19 vaccine. That number was 3.4% back in March. Right now, the recommendation is that you get your second dose either 21st day or 28 days after your first dose, depending if you got Pfizer or Moderna. The WHO is saying that it's safe to get the second dose up to six weeks after the first dose. But of course, that is not the idea ideal situation if you want to achieve the full effects of immunity. Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. 
A large group of migrants protested at the U.S. border in Tijuana on Saturday, demanding they be allowed to cross and claim asylum in the United States. Migrants marched to the San Isidro port of entry, chanting and holding up handmade signs that read, We want answers. We want asylum. U.S. authorities, including police and anti-riot gear, closed the border on Saturday, prompting long delays of more than four hours to cross between San Diego and Tijuana. Back in Washington, Vice President Kamala Harris is holding a virtual meeting with Guatemala's President Alejandro Giamate to discuss immigration. Edwin Piti is at our D.C. Bureau with the latest information on this. Edwin, what are some of the main points to be discussed today? Andrea, there are high expectations of that meeting between Vice President Kamala Harris and President from Guatemala, Alejandro Giamate, today. And that's because Giamate has not always been in lockstep with the Biden administration. When the White House announced an increase of military personnel in the borders of Mexico, Honduras, and Guatemala, Giamate rejected that such agreement existed with the White House. The Guatemalan president has also said the border crisis was the result of how Biden's message was interpreted in the region. Today, Vice President Harris and Yamate are expected to address some of the root causes pushing thousands of Central Americans to the U.S. During a weekend interview, Harris stressed the importance of finding solutions, saying, quote, we must give some people the sense of hope. Take a listen. Most people don't want to leave home, and when they do, it's usually for one of two reasons. They're fleeing some harm, or they cannot stay and satisfy the basic necessities of life, such as feeding their children and having a roof over their head. That's the, that, that is part of, a big part of what is going on. So I look at the issue of what's going on in the Northern Triangle from that perspective. And then my take on it is that we've got to, understanding that, we have to give people some sense of hope. The vice president has not said when she would tour the border, and the White House had initially announced a June visit to Central America, but the pandemic could change those plans. Tomorrow, Harris will also meet virtually with local organizations in Guatemala, working on helping communities in need. The vice president wants to develop strategies to fight corruption in the region and make sure the funds from the U.S. are getting to the people who need it. She went on to criticize former President Trump's handling on the border and said the Biden administration has to work on rebuilding diplomatic ties. On May 7th, Kamala Harris is scheduled to meet virtually with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. We are live in Washington, D.C. Back to you, Andrea. From our nation's capital. And the Supreme Court today also denying, for now, a bid by Texas and 13 other states to defend a controversial Trump-era rule that makes it more difficult for immigrants to obtain legal status if they use certain benefits, such as Medicaid, food stamps, and housing vouchers. The justices said that the states had to go to the lower courts to make their request. And the Supreme Court also agreeing today to hear an appeal to expand gun rights in the United States. It all centers around a New York case focusing on the right to carry a firearm in public for self-defense. The case marks the court's first foray into gun rights since Justice Amy Coney Barrett came on board in October, making a 6-3 conservative majority. The justices said today they will review a lower court ruling that upheld New York's restrictive gun permit law. The case will probably be argued in the fall. 
A social justice group has filed a lawsuit against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis two days after he signed a bill to create tougher penalties for people who participate in violent protests. The suit argues that the new law violates free speech and due process rights. The so-called anti-riot bill was a response to nationwide demonstrations that occurred in the wake of George Floyd's murder. DeSantis spokesman Cody McLeod said the governor's office will firmly defend the legal merits of the new law. And joining me now to talk about this bill is Dr. Micah Kubik. He's the executive director of the ACLU of Florida. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. First, what was your reaction to Governor DeSantis signing this bill? I think it was really a, a dark and disgraceful day for democracy in the state of Florida, uh, because no matter the language that the governor and others use to describe the bill, uh, the reality is that it criminalizes peaceful protest and makes it harder for folks to speak out, particularly on those issues that matter to them. For those that don't know much about this bill, what does this law do exactly, and why do you think it's so problematic? So the, the bill does a number of things. I think uh, one of the bad things that it does is say that if you go to a protest, if you as an individual go to a rally, there are a thousand people who show up uh, to speak up on any issue, and three people at that rally cause uh, a disruption, something that someone somewhere decides is a disruption. All thousand people who are there can be arrested, charged, convicted, punished of rioting. Uh, it says that you don't actually have to engage in the disruption or the violence yourself in order to be guilty. Uh, instead, just being there, just being present at an event where someone else does something uh, makes you guilty of a crime. I think that's contrary to the spirit of democracy. I think that's not about our values. And I think that is designed to make it so that folks are so scared, so fearful of showing up at an event that they silence themselves and don't engage in democracy. Uh, another terrible thing that this bill does is say that if you are at a rally and a motorist, a car driving by, if that motorist decides that they're frightened, they can run over protesters with their car, kill them, and not be held civilly liable in any way. Uh, I think that's really a shame and we shouldn't be doing anything to encourage people uh, to take the law into their own hands that way. Now, according to a memo obtained by South Florida news outlet, the Sun Sentinel, deputies in Broward County are being instructed not to enforce the anti-rioting law unless it's absolutely necessary. What are the reasons for stalling the implementation of this measure? I think they recognize uh, that it is unnecessary in the first place. We already have laws on the books against violence, against looting, against disruption. Uh, so there was no need for the law in the first place. Uh, I think they also recognize uh, that this is a bill that is designed to frighten people into being silent. It is designed to stifle dissent, uh, and they don't want to be part of that. At the same time, we should be clear that even though there are law enforcement agencies that are saying that, just the fact that the bill was signed at all, the fact that we're having this debate at all, uh, means that it is doing its uh, malicious intent, uh, which is to make it so that people are frightened to speak out, frightened to engage in free speech, uh, and uh, have their views stifled. What's the current status of that lawsuit against Governor Ron DeSantis? And do you see it having any impact on the legislation? So there was a lawsuit that was filed uh, last week. It came very early. Uh, I think there are a number of folks, a number of organizations and individuals who are considering what their next steps are here. There's been no progress on that particular lawsuit since it was filed because it's still early days. But I think other organizations, including ours, the ACLU, 
uh, are assessing uh, the opportunities. And I have every confidence that uh, over the long run, this bill will be uh, considered as unconstitutional, illegal, uh, and contrary to our values as it really is. Well, thank you so much for all this input, Dr. Micah Kubik of the ACLU of Florida. Take care. Thanks for having me. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And in other political news, one of President Biden's biggest and most ambitious projects is infrastructure, specifically investing $2 trillion in roads, bridges, and even internet. The idea is to create, at the same time, almost 3 million jobs, help the environment, and minority groups. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will play a major role in approving these plans. And Univision's Jorge Ramos spoke to Secretary Buttigieg on El Punto on Sunday. And here's that conversation. Secretary Buttigieg, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. I still remember uh, in our recent trip to China near Shanghai that I saw a whole subway line on an empty land because they were planning to build a city, but the subway line was already there. So when we compare the United States with countries like China, Japan, and Singapore, uh, our roads, airports, bridges, subway, why are we so way behind? Well, we fell behind because we failed to invest. For decades now, we have not been making the choices that are needed in order to have the best infrastructure in the world. By some rankings, we are no longer in the top 10, and that is unacceptable if America is going to remain the world's leading economic force. Uh, as you mentioned, other countries, notably China, are making major investments. We should be making the investments it takes to lead the world, and that's what the president's jobs plan will do. To plus trillion dollars on infrastructure, including a lot of transportation-specific infrastructure, roads and bridges, ports and airports, uh, maritime ports, and more, as well as the infrastructure of the future, like access to the internet. So, so uh, there's been confusion in, in the past few days on the number of jobs that will be created by, by this project. Can you help us make the distinction between this project and the millions of jobs created by the recovery plan? So the rescue plan really was about preventing disaster, bringing us back from the edge of the cliff, knowing that many jobs were going to be destroyed if transit agencies didn't survive the year because they lost their revenue, to take one example. But uh, the rescue plan was about getting us through this moment. The jobs plan is about a generation. This is about making sure that for years and decades to come, we have the kind of strong economic foundation that we need. And there are a number of different uh, analyses and reports all of which are pointing to a stronger economic future if we make this choice, including creating millions of jobs through the American Jobs Plan and the choices that it makes about infrastructure. And I want to mention one other thing about the jobs that we're going to create. Uh, the economists are telling us that most of them 
are jobs that do not require a college degree uh, in order to do them. Uh, so uh, this is constructing roads, this is uh, repairing bridges, this is retrofitting buildings. Things are going to require a lot of labor and create a lot of opportunity. Can, can you help me with uh, some numbers? How many, how many millions of jobs are going to be created? Well, one study by Moody's suggested 2.7 million more jobs if we pass the jobs plan uh, than if we don't pass the jobs plan. Uh, again, there are a number of reports uh, pointing to just how many jobs we're going to create, but the basic answer is millions. And the ch uh, we also have to recognize there is a cost to doing nothing, a cost in terms of falling further behind our competitors, and of course, the cost of climate change. At some point, uh, everybody thought that Republicans and Democrats could work together on something like this. But now, Republicans, they don't want to raise corporate taxes. Can you do it alone with other Republicans? Well, we would much prefer to do this on a bipartisan basis. And I've been speaking with Republicans in the House and the Senate just about every day. Uh, on Monday, we had another meeting with the president at the White House uh, with Republicans and Democrats from both chambers. We believe there is an opportunity to come together on this. But at the end of the day, it has to get done. And we can't wait forever. Uh, we had an interview this week with uh, Senator Schumer, and, and he's suggesting the possibility of including an immigration component through reconciliation for this bill. Would you support something like that? Well, I'll, I'll leave it to the Senate in terms of uh, exactly what legislative vehicles might uh, might be used to get this done. Uh, certainly, as you know, uh, the president has been very clear on the need for there to be uh, immigration reform. But uh, uh, I understand that to be a separate policy issue than what we're doing here with the jobs plan and the infrastructure vision. So you wouldn't oppose the, the possibility of using reconciliation for including other bills that might jeopardize your plan? Well, uh, again, there are a lot of different mechanisms that can get this done in Congress, but we strongly prefer a bipartisan approach and we'll continue trying to negotiate in good faith to see if that's going to be possible. Uh, finally, in, in simple terms, can you help us understand how are you going to pay these $2 trillion plan? Yes, so the plan is fully paid for in the president's proposal by adjusting corporate tax rates and closing loopholes that have allowed some corporations to pay zero, even when they're making billions of dollars in profits. And let me mention that the rate we're proposing is not a high rate, it's 28%. For most of my lifetime, the rate was at 35. So we are not calling for high taxes. We're just calling for a fair system and a level playing field. And we believe business will be among the biggest winners when we have the kind of ports and airports, the kind of roads and bridges, the kind of trains and transit that the American people deserve. And, and lastly, I saw that picture of you being thrown in by Vice President Kamala Harris with your husband. Do you, do you realize that you are changing history while you're simply doing your job? Well, certainly, I, I feel the, the meaning of, uh, of, of what that means, to, uh, to be sworn in with my husband at my side, to be sworn in by uh, a vice president with her husband uh, present as well. All of these uh, things would not have been imaginable uh, a little while ago. And I'm doing everything I can to, to live up to that and hopefully uh, make things easier for people who come along in the future. Secretary Buda George, muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.